Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. First of all, we're going to uh, declare again. We read our declaration every single week. If you're new to Destiny Church, um, we de- we uh, declare this over our church and over ourselves each and every week. Um, we think that speaking things out loud brings things forth, and we want to be able to do this whenever it comes to 2021 this year. So, everybody, read read this together with us and with me. We will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word for everything I do flows from it. And I love that um, this is our declaration for this year because if we can't align ourselves with God's word, what are we aligning ourselves to? You know, where, where, are, we, where are we aligning ourselves to? Because if we're not aligning ourselves, it's kind of like a, you know, that little tire on the front of a truck. Whenever it gets a little wobbly in the front, it's really bad in the back. So if we're not aligned and we don't have our alignment whenever it comes to our car, man, the trailer back in the back, if you're looking in the rearview mirror, that thing's going all over the place. And then that causes a bunch of things to happen. So it's very important in this day and time, especially when we have all these distractions that are going on around us, to align ourselves with God's word constantly. We have to remind ourselves of this daily. Well, me, I don't know if I'm, you like me, every 10 minutes. I mean, you can get off alignment in a hurry, you know. So you got to be able to align ourselves all the time. So we've been going through a series, um, and let me build my nest real quick. Um, we've been going through a series called Heels to Die On. And we've had a lot of different things going on whenever it comes to this. Rife started this series back in Easter. The first one was God's Word. We make sure that we don't die on that hill. We do not let God's Word go away. Number two is spiritual gifts. Number three is the sanctity of sexuality, which is a big deal in this day and time. Especially in the profession that I teach in, I see stuff every single day of college kids coming in. They're wandering around. They don't have any idea what's going on. Especially, they're just, they're not confident. They don't even really know who they are because the world's telling them they're four or five different things. And they don't even know that God has already aligned them with something that's even greater when it comes to their sexuality, especially. Number four, praying for Israel. Boy, that's important. Especially this, we see this day and time of what's going on in Israel right now, that we cannot die on that hill. It says if we align ourselves with Israel, we will be blessed. We need to pray for Israel. We need to be very attentive to that. I can tell you the media that we get to, that we choose to see every single day in this country, they don't talk about Israel a whole lot. They don't talk about what's going on over there. There's a lot of different things if you you got to get over all of the lies and all the propaganda and get over there and get yourself aligned with somebody that is a strong Jewish Christian teacher of things that are really going on in Israel right now. Because the propaganda of, this, of the media that's going on in our country, they'll get you to think that, well, it's Israel's fault and it's just Israel's fault and it's Israel's fault and they did this and they're... They're doing all this kind of stuff. You need to really get to some truth. 
you need to really get to some truth of what's going on there. It's very important to align ourselves with Israel during this day and time. And then number five is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We need to make sure that we are in power in the Holy Spirit. We have power in the Holy Spirit. He's an all-consuming fire. That's one thing that they mentioned this morning. He's an all-consuming fire. If you want things to be purified in our lives and we want things that are not, we don't need there anymore, Holy Spirit to take care of it for us. Because it says when we step in front of him one day, we will have things thrown into the fire that are not belonging to us, that he did not anoint us to do. So we're going to get the fire one way or the other. So you might as well just go ahead and align with it now so we can get all that stuff out of the way so we just walk to Jesus with a bunch of crowns. Get that stuff out of the way, okay? Take off the lens of this world. Take off the lens of your trauma and your pain and that sort of thing because that is, in not, that is not in Christ Jesus because he says there's no more pain and no more suffering, none. So today we're going to discuss this hill to die on is going to be the second coming of Jesus. And a lot of people have a lot of discrepancies in there. They really don't understand the second coming of Jesus. We've been doing a revelation series over the, uh, we've actually, this is our second one. We're in week three this week. Um, we, we go through an eight-week series. The first week we went, the first time we went through a ten-week series, and we got stopped by Hurricane Sally, and we've got hurt, stopped by Hurricane Zeta one week, and we dealt with COVID and all this other kind of stuff. But I can tell you this, that group that went through it, man, I'm telling you, revelation in the kingdom of God was unveiled to them, not from what I was saying to them, but what Holy Spirit was saying to them. It was amazing to see just like, oh, man, it's, that's it? That's awesome. You know, because so many people, we think of the second coming of Jesus, hellfire and brimstone, you better fear, you better come to the Lord, you better do this, you better do that. Last time I checked. There is no fear in Christ Jesus. He didn't come to condemn the world. He gave us power, love, and a sound mind. When you have fear in your life, your mind is not sound. It's called double-mindedness. He calls us to be single-minded. That's what he gives us. So people, I mean, we heard religion. We grew up in religion. My wife grew up in religion more than I did. But at the same time, that's what it was. You, here they come. We're bringing, the, we're bringing the wrath of God. And you better come to Jesus and all this other kind of stuff. That's what we heard growing up all the way through our lives. But some people don't understand the difference in the rapture and the second coming of Jesus. So I'm going to try to bring some light onto that today. Here's the main point of the message. To, or here's the text first. And we'll get to the main point in just a second. We're going to go through Revelation 19, uh, 11 through 16, and then also Zechariah 14, 1 through 5. Okay? Now, one thing I suggest you do as I go through it, I'm a little more heavy whenever it comes to Scripture, so I'll jump around a little bit more. So I suggest to get on that app if you have that Bible app, or if you want to flip in the pages with me, you can do that as well. And I'm going to try to give time to be able to do that and try to give you time to write some of the Scriptures down that I mentioned today. Because you have to align with God's holy word if you're going to guard your heart whenever it comes to the second coming of Christ. So there's a lot of scripture that goes into this. And the thing that I want to show you today whenever it comes to revelation, 
So many people think this, Revelations. You know, if anybody's ever gotten the book of Revelation before, and you started going through Revelation, I mean, we've got bowls, and we've got trumpets, and we've got, um, we've got dragons, and we've got, um, we've got people wearing white, and people, I mean, we've got all kind of stuff going on. If we read it in that way and we read it, read it with physical eyes, remember, revelation is a single word. That's a, that's a singular word. It's not a plural word. Revelation. So it's a revelation of something singular. It's the revelation of Jesus. So all this time that we're in right now, it's the revelation of Jesus. That's it. It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ to the world. Did it say just to the believers? No, it's the unveiling to the world. Because in John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world. So he's going to unveil himself to every person before this is over with. Okay, so this is the revelation of Jesus. Now, the reason the enemy wants to keep you out of this book as much as possible, because you read the book and it's just like, I don't understand any of that. I mean, everybody been there with me before? I mean, y'all have been there before. I don't want to do, have anything to do with that. But this is the only book in the Bible that says you will be blessed if you read this book. Does anybody want to be blessed? Get in the middle of it. Okay? So I'm going to teach you some things. And there's a lot of metaphors that goes through this uh, whenever it comes to... Um, and you'll look at some of the scripture I read and it's just like, man, if I looked at that in the physical, that don't even make any sense. So I'm going to ask you to do this today. Have eyes to hear or eyes to see and ears to hear. Wasn't that prophesied over our house earlier this year? Sure was. Because Holy Spirit knew that something like this and what Rife has been going through the last five weeks, you have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Not physical spiritual he is a supernatural god he's above all these things i'm talking about heaven is not going to be look like any of this that we see here today so why are we looking in that way we can't look at the book of revelation that way so here's the main points today number one rap, the rapture jesus comes back to the church the second coming of christ is jesus comes back with the church Hallelujah. I mean, everybody's like, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. We're going to be with him. What? Well, I thought the judgment was on me. Okay. So the first thing we have to understand is what does Christ have going on right now? What, what in the world is he doing? And the second thing is, is what in the world do we need to do? I mean, we're preparing for that time. Is that correct? Do y'all understand we're in the last of the last days? We're right there at it. Anytime. Anytime. So we, we got to understand what he's got going on, and we got to understand what we have going on. Because, see, sometimes people think that Christ is just up there just going, just twiddling his thumbs. I don't know. 
man, these people can't get themselves together. I don't have any idea what these people are doing down there. He doesn't even know the time. Only the Father does. Only the Father does. So he's doing something right now. And it talks about what he's doing right now in Revelation 1, 10 through 16. If you want to flip through this and navigate through all of this stuff, feel free to. It says in Revelation 1, 10, I was in the spirit realm on the day of the Lord or the, on the Lord's day. And I heard from behind me a loud voice sounding like a trumpet. Y'all have heard about all these trumpets, right? The trumpet, we talks about seven trumpets are coming in Revelation. The trumpet is just the message of the Lord. It's the message of the Lord coming forth. We're waiting on that seventh trumpet. Okay? So it's, he heard John, John is speaking to this right here, that he heard some voice or some message from behind him saying to me, write the books what you see and send them to the seven churches of, of Epiphus, of Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So there were seven churches during this time. But the thing you got to realize is he was speaking to those churches in that moment, but at the same time, he was speaking to the churches throughout the generations. He was also speaking to the church today, Destiny Church. He's speaking to Destiny Church today. And probably the most important of all these, he's speaking directly to you. He's writing these love letters to you, saying what you need to do next. He's telling us what we need to do. Okay? Everybody with me? So he's with this, with these seven churches. And it says in verse 12, When I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, remember, it said a trumpet was behind him, right? But it said a voice was speaking to him. See the connection there? The trumpet's not this big thing. You know, they talked about the shofar and all that stuff in and, and Israel. That's a voice. It's going to be the voice of the father go. He's going to tell Jesus, go get my children. Seventh trumpet. See ya. Okay? So understand that this is a voice. I saw the who was speaking to me. I saw seven golden lampstands. That's the first bullet point. The seven golden lampstands is the church. These are seven, the menorah. You know the menorah back in the Old Testament? These are the seven menorahs that are sitting there that Jesus, he saw him amongst them. So what is Jesus doing now? He's amongst the seven churches. What is he doing? He's walking among the lampstands. I saw someone like the Son of Man, Jesus, wearing a full-length robe with a golden sash over his chest. What does a golden sash mean? His love for you. That's what that means. He's covered himself with his chest going, oh, I love them so much. What did it say when it comes to to uh, John, where was he positioned whenever he said John was really, he really was full of himself when it comes to the love of Christ, right? He said, I'm the one that Jesus loves. Where was he? On his bosom. You know what his bosom is? His chest. So this golden sash represents the love of the church. His head 
Anytime you see head referenced in the Bible, it's talking about speaks of God's or Christ's authority. So his head was like white or was white as wool. White means pureness. Do you understand whenever we have a marriage? The marriage is the representation of the bridegroom and the church meeting together. This is why marriage is so sanctified. It needs to be sanctified. It needs to be that hill. We don't need to die on that hill. If we had another hill we don't need to die on, it's marriage. We don't need to die on that hill because it builds purity. This is why the, the groom, the bridegroom, sometimes I know when I married my wife and I knew the whole idea behind everything that was when it was come to that marriage the the wedding dress is white for purity it's showing the pure bride or the pure church is coming to the bridegroom so what does that tell us when it comes to personal application for me i need to get all the stuff out and i need to become more white i need to become more pure how do we do that only in him can we become more white? we got to get all the dust and everything off whenever it comes to that. White as glistening snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. Can't y'all see somebody physically looking like with the flames of fire? Man, that's intimidating, isn't it? His feet were like gleaming like bright metal. Now, here's one of the main points I want to talk about whenever it comes to this. His they were like bright metal. Now, the shoes that he had on were bright metal. It was representation of brass. Brass represents, in the Bible, passing through judgment. So what is he doing right now? He's tending the lampstands with a golden sash on, showing his love for the church, but he's wearing the judgment because he's passed through the judgment. So guess who doesn't get to experience the judgment that's coming to the world? Because the last time I checked, we're in Christ Jesus and he's walking with the golden with the brass on his feet. He's walking in judgment. We don't walk in judgment. Hallelujah. That's a celebration point, don't you think? Because he's wearing the judgment. He's wearing the judgment, not you. Get out of that religious mindset that thinks that you're going to be under all this wrath and all this hellfire and brimstone. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, He took the judgment shoes off of you and He took them from you. Not just the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus first and foremost. But he did a lot more than just going, well, you're saved and everything's good. No, he took the shoes off of you. Because what did he do to the disciples whenever they were sitting there and he was serving them? He was washing their feet. That's judgment. He took the judgment. He prepared his, because that's what they did back in the day when they come in from the outside and you know, they had the dust and everything all over their feet. He, they would wash each other's feet. That was a sign of honor. That was, a, that was a sign of him revering them. He took the shoes of judgment. We wear shoes of judgment when we come into this world. Every single person. Every single person. But guess what he did? 
I've accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I give my life to you, Lord. It's that simple. If you want to accept Jesus Christ today and you don't know who Jesus Christ is and you, want to, you don't want to pass through the wrath of God and all the bowls that are going to be poured out on this world, it's very easy. It's very easy. You can just come to the altar at the very end of service and just give your life to Jesus. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops and do a bunch of backhand springs and present yourself and all this. Just come in humbleness to the Lord and just give your life to Him. And you, he will, you know what He'll do at this altar right here? He will take the shoes off of you and He will wear them for you. He wants to do that. He's a loving God. He's not a judging God. I always thought God, way back in the day, was this father up in heaven with a gavel in his hand, ready to hit the thing every time that I did something wrong. You're guilty. Because the thing is, and I challenge every single man in here, the only way that your children will understand the fullness and the love of Christ is that you show them that. Because if you show them judging, you show them the only time that you give them attention is to put a bell on their tail or whatever's going on, you need to make sure that you need to check yourself at the door because it needs to be the opposite of that because that's not who God is. The, the, who the identity comes through, the, the heavenly father comes through the earthly father. That's why we have people running around that has no idea anything that's going on whenever it comes to the love of the father because the daddy has checked out. It's time to step up. It's time to lead. It's time to lead. That's what it comes down to because that's where you build identity is through the Father. The children build, the, build identity through the Father. And, it's, and it continues on. It says, like his voice was like a rush, was many wash, rushing waters. And it talked about his right hand. Anytime he talks about the right hand, in the word, he talks about power, authority, and blessing. He says it many times. John fell on his face later in Revelation. It was just like, who is worthy to be able to open these scrolls? There's no one worthy. There's no one here. There's no one here that can do this. He reached down with his right hand and touched John. And he said, get up. Stop crying. Because the one that's coming is like a slaughtered lamb. He is worthy to open the scrolls. He reached down with his right hand. It says that specifically in the word. There's a reason why. It's because the one that has all authority and all blessing and all power is coming forth to open up the scrolls so this thing can be done. Because he did it all. He finished it all. And then the last one is a double-edged sword. We've seen this many times in Scripture, the Word of God. So don't get all caught off guard whenever it comes to all these things in Revelation and get all messed up with all these metaphors. Hey, he, he used metaphors when he was speaking to the folks whenever he was going through the gospel. He was talking in agricultural terms, sowing and reaping, seeds and soul and all this other kind of stuff it's the it's a metaphor that's all it is but he looked at them and goes y'all still don't get it he had to go back and explain it all to them just like you still don't get it so i'm gonna have to go explain it to you 
That's what you need. You just need somebody to explain it to you a little bit. And therefore, you can walk forward in that and gain more truth as you go along. Because this is a living, breathing word. It was prophesied and it was prayed over today. This is a living, breathing word. It is always, I mean, it, it will manifest itself to you in all kinds of seasons and all kinds of times. And then another thing that he tells us to do, he's t- this is what he's telling us to do. This is in Ephesians six fourteen and through 16. It says, put on truth as a belt. Put it on. It's, it's just not given to you. You just don't wake up out of bed and just know. He says to put it on. That's an action word. Let's don't be just sayers of the word. Let's be doers of the word. That's what he tells us to do. Put on truth. To strengthen, to, to be able to withstand and to stand in triumph. That means to stand in victory. Put on holiness. This is the armor of God that I'm talking about right now. Every single day, this should be something that should be your prayer before you even start today. Father, put on the, bells of, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. Armor yourself up. You're going to war. You're going to war. Hopefully you are, because if you're not warring, then the, you're just with them. Are you going to war? Are you warring against that lying spirit that's speaking over that child? Or are you, are you warring over that uh, rejection spirit that's speaking over somebody at your workplace? That's just self-rejection or rejection of others or whatever? That's a war. You're going to war, so you better armor yourself up. You better get the weapons on. Last time I checked, Greg, he didn't... I mean, when they went to war, they didn't just go out there with nothing on and say, Hey... My dad was in the military. My brother was in the military. My father-in-law was a three-time Purple Heart recipient. They went. They didn't go in. They didn't just walk down in Vietnam and not have any weapons in their hands. You better do it. Speaking of Memorial Day, and it says in verse fifteen. And this is where I want to uh, get to this at. It says, "Stand with your feet alert." Stand with your feet alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessing of peace. What are, the, what are we wearing? What does he tell us to put on? The armor of God now. The shoes of peace. He took the shoes. He is wearing the shoes of judgment. He tells us to put on the shoes of peace. It's the great exchange. That's the great exchange. You know, they talk about death for life. You know, all these different exchanges, I've never heard this said. So I know it's confirmed by Holy Spirit. The reason it's confirmed by Holy Spirit is because I heard about three or four people say this about shoes today. This is confirmed by Holy Spirit. Jesus is wearing the shoes of judgment. Put yourself at ease, church. Now, Am I speaking to the non-believer? I'm not speaking to you. Now, could we speak to you by making one simple decision? Yep. You'll be grafted right into the family of God just like that. 
Praise God. That's right. Thank you, Butch. Praise God. That's simple. It's not hard. But the thing that I was taught in the religious world, it's very hard. You got to do this, 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 you got to do this backhand spring. If you don't do it just perfectly, then you land it just perfectly, you can't get in. He spoke to the church in Ephesus. They were in a city, and he spoke to them in Ephesus. You want to read it? And it says, don't worry about it. See, because they had, they had, when they went into the marketplace where they were socially accepted, they had to lift incense and place them into the incense burner, but the incense burner was for the emperor. That's a problem in Christianity. That's a problem. Am I right? That's a problem. So they were not socially accepted if they didn't put it in the incense burner. So they kept them out. Then also, they had to deal with a fertility god, Artemis. That was the fertility god that said, the only way that you can have a baby, women, is you go into this, wor- you go into this temple and worship this god, Artemis. That's a problem because there's no other god above our god. Then the other thing is, the emperor had a garden, was set apart for the ones that were socially accepted. They would invite them to the, to the garden, and that garden was set apart as a place of honor for all the people that entered into the garden. He says, into the first book of, the first letter written to that first church, at the very end, he says, I will give you access to the tree of life. And it will be in the paradise of God. Remember where the tree of life is located at? In the original garden? It's right in the center. It's in the paradise of God. He said, don't worry about that worshiping that that false fertility God over there. I got something better for you. I've got the tree of life waiting on you. Then, also, to make it even better... I'm going to initiate you to where you're all included into this garden that I have set before you. It's called the paradise of God. Remember, he was hanging on the cross, and he looked, in this, he looked over at the sinner that just came to Christ on the cross. He said, for today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in the garden. Y'all, know, y'all understand, we're living a life between two gardens, right? We're just stuck in the middle of it. The Garden of Eden, in the very last book of Revelation is the Garden of Eden. We're, stuck, we're in between two gardens. But guess what? He's coming quickly. He's coming quickly. Am I right? It's what the Word says. I'm just confirming what the Word says. Again, wearing the, shoe, the shoes of judgment, He tells us to put on the shoes of peace. Do you have peace when you get up in the morning time? Sometimes not. Sometimes you got to physically make yourself put on the shoes of peace. Then you get in the middle of work and you feel like just taking those things off and just doing like this, right? No, no, no. Put them back on. I got their judgment. I got their judgment. So, we have two battlefields. There's a battlefield in heaven. It's dominated by God, and that's by God's choice. 
Do you know why that one's dominated by God? Christ. Because guess where he's seated? In the heavenly places. Right beside him. So they win the one in the, in the heavens. And then there's also a battlefield in the world. So many times we hear the battlefields in our mind. Is that correct? There's also one out there too. That's the one we're going to war in. Is there's a battle in the world and it's dominated by Satan. Because who is he? The prince of this world. He's the prince of the world. He's overseeing the world. But it's not by Satan's choice. It's by man's choice. The Antichrist. There's a spirit of Antichrist that's hovering right now. That's sitting in the world right now. Do we manifestly know who the physical man of the Antichrist is? No, we won't know. Because we'll be at the feast with the Father when the Antichrist manifests himself on the planet. So there's a spirit that's hovering over this. That spirit was still in working 2,000 years ago. This is good, man. This is good. Do you know when Jesus, Pilate, was sitting there and said, hey, you have a choice. I mean, this guy's not guilty at all. Jesus is not guilty at all. He He knew that. We got Jesus here, but every year they told a prisoner that they could come out every single year. He goes, okay, we got Jesus here and we have Barabbas. Which one do you choose? This is man's choice now. This is where man chose. Barabbas. Do you know what Barabbas stands for in the old language? Bar, which means son, and Abba, which means father. Son of the father. We had son of the father right here, and we had son of the father right here. Which one do you choose? Do you choose Christ, or do you choose the Antichrist? Which one do you choose? Barabbas. There's the war. But the thing is, he turned over the war, which was one in heaven when he died on the cross. But here's some good news. So we have two wars that are happening in Revelation. The first one is the the Revelation 12 war. And I highly suggest, spend your time outside of church, read through these things, please do that. Because every word that comes out of my mouth, you have to line it up with what is in the word. You have to do it. So spend time outside of church. Let church go to your house. Because you are the church. Let your church manifest itself in, its, in your house as well. So we have the Revelation 12 war. Satan loses in heaven. Okay, here's what happened. There was a war in heaven, and it talks about a woman giving birth to a child. Who's the child? The church. The church. Jesus, because Jesus is the church. Jesus is the church. The dragon wanted to devour it, and it wanted to devour the baby. When she, when Amy just said a minute ago, it was Jesus. What in the world did the enemy try to do through Herod right when the baby was born? S- went out and tried to d- kill every single child 
within the age of two. Every single one of them. That was in Bethlehem. That's the physical manifest, manifestation of what's going on in Revelation 12. Whatever happens in the spiritual mirrors itself with the physical. It's beautiful. Not beautiful, but at the same time, you can see that. You can see the word coming alive. It comes alive for you. And it says the war broke out and Michael and his angels fought against the great dragon, Satan, and was defeated. He lost the war in heaven. He's lost that war. Now the one that is to come. Revelation 19. Satan loses on earth. So he loses in his background too. He just doesn't lose in the heavenlies where Christ reigns. He loses on the earth as well. Okay? So, what happens in the Revelation War, which I'll read that in just a little bit. Here's what you got to understand about the difference in the rapture and the second coming of Christ. It's, it has everything to do with ambassadors and embassies. When you have an embassy, an embassy is the country... In another land. Okay? It belongs to that country. Let's use the United States since it's very relevant to us. We can have an embassy in Iraq. We can have an embassy in Kuwait. We can have an embassy in Israel. We just moved it to Jerusalem. That was a big move. That was a big move. So we have an embassy in, in, let's say, Iraq. Some foreign country that we... Or let's say Iran. Let's just even get there. Or North Korea. Or China. Or Russia. Or where all the ones that are warring against the United States. We have embassies in each one of these, of these countries. So what an embassy is, is a body of persons entrusted with a mission to a sovereign or to a government. Especially an ambassador. And his staff or her staff. The official headquarters of the ambassador. It is the function of the office of the ambassador. And a mission headed by the ambassador. So you can see who over reigns. Or who reigns over the embassy. Is the ambassador. And then we have ambassadors. That are housed in these embassies. And it says a a diplomatic individual or official of high ranking, of high ranking, sent by the sovereign one or state to another as its resident representative. So the, the ambassador has all the rights to exactly what the country allows it to do. It has every right. It is the authorized messenger and representation of that country. So what happens in war is if we declare war against Vietnam like we did before or, or Iraq or wherever we declare, declare war to, the country calls the embassy and calls the ambassador and says... 
you need to come back home. You need to come back home because we're about to unload on these folks. Because it's gotten to that point where we're going to declare war on them. So the, so the ambassador flies out and goes back to the original country that it's established to. This leads me to the next point. God will call his ambassadors home before declaring war on the world. Because some people think, well, you know, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, all this kind of stuff. That's, that's, that is uh, church language, you know. Tribulation. You know what tribulation means? Pressure. That loving father's not going to put us under that. We've already been underneath pressure. Just look at the world. Just look at the world. He's going to call his church home before declaring war. Are we in the war right now? Are we in the middle of the tribulation? Nope. Is it happening? Is it getting close? Yep. Get prepared. Get prepared. See, the thing about these wars is the war starts in the heavenlies. It talks about spiritual warfare. But see, the war is coming closer and closer to earth. People that are here that are a little bit, maybe a little bit older than me or, or my age, it's changed. The world's changed, hasn't it? It sure has. You know what all that means? The war is just getting closer. The war is coming to earth. It's moving itself from the heavenlies and it is coming to the earth. The ideology that is spoken to people, the way it's spoken over our children, it's just war. The war, he lost the war in heaven. He's already lost that. He lost it when he did not get Jesus Christ. He lost it when he couldn't get the church because the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. He lost that war already. So when he said, well, I can't beat them in heaven, so I'm just going to start manifesting myself and trying to come down here to my background, to my playground, and see if I can beat them here. That's what he's doing. It's just getting closer to us, guys. That's all that's going on. Revelation is simply this. Old things passing away and new things coming forth. That, it's just new stuff coming forth. The enemy begins to wiggle and do all this other kind of stuff whenever he knows his time is short. His time is very short and he knows it. He knows his destination. Do you know your destination? That's the question. He knows where he's going. He knows exactly where. Because hell was not bent, was built for human beings. It was not built for human beings. It was built for Satan and his angels. That is it. It is not meant for any single human being to go through that torture. But God is a just God. He is a just God. He is a loving God. We always want to think about sometimes is Jesus just this little, you know, Six pound, eight ounce, baby Jesus, you know, all this kind of stuff. We think that's just him. He's just this loving God. No, he's a just God too. He is. He's going to, have, he's going to bring justice upon the non-believer. He's going to bring justice upon the world. Because they have sinned against the world. But here's the beautiful thing. You may not be a believer here today. He loves you just as much as he loves me. He loves you with an everlasting love. He wants you to come to the Father. He wants you to come to the feet of Jesus. He wants to take off the shoes of judgment and let you put on the shoes of peace 
That's what he wants for you today. He wants that for you today. So you don't have to go through this war. So you can be called home before the pressure and before the real real war is issued upon this world. That's what he wants. That's what he wants for us. So we got to understand the difference between the rapture and the second coming, which I've explained some of that already. The rapture in the Greek means harpazo. Harpazo, which means to be called up, to be snatched, or to be taken away. Y'all know when y'all snatch your kids up? That ain't no, hey, you know, think about it a little bit. No, just snatch them up and take them wherever they need to go, right? Jesus, take that, take that son, call him up. Just like that. It says, in a twinkling of an eye. You ever done a twinkling of an eye before? We can't measure it. Like they say, like a fourth of a second or something like that. That's what they said. Harpazo. Now, rapture is not in the Bible. The physical word and the translations and all that, it doesn't show up in the Bible. But this is the same word that was used. Remember when, um, when Philip was, the Ethiopian man was coming, coming down the way. He was reading the scriptures, going through it. And he said, how do I, you know, how do I receive Christ? He's like, just let's come out here and baptize you. And just, he baptized him, popped back up, and he was gone. The same word used for Philip in that context, harpazo. Harpazo. Enoch. Harpazo. Elijah. Harpazo. Jesus. Acts 1. Harpazo. He was called up into the, into the clouds. There's, what in the world? That's what the disciples say. What in the world? And the, they, they come to him and said, the angel come to him and said, what are you still standing here for? He's, he's going to come back the same way. He's going to come back the same exact way. So if you just want to sit here for 2,000 years or so, just sit here and just chill out if you want to, but he's going to come back the same exact way. So what is it that tells you exactly where the second coming of Christ is going to come from? Which is wonderful. When will the war on the world be? The tribulation. That's the war. That is the Tribulation simply means pressure. Y'all think we're under pressure now? No. He will call us home before that war begins. A lot of people don't understand the difference in this. And that's why I want to bring clarity to it today. People look at the word rapture in the Bible and they cannot find it, but it shows up many times like I was just talking about a minute ago. Now, the next question is, is who's going to be raptured or who's going to be called up before this war begins? And this is two scriptures right up here. First Corinthians 15, 51, and 52, which I'll read those in just a second. And then also Revelation 7, 2, and 3. It says in 1 Corinthians 15... Listen, I will tell you a divine mystery. 
a mystery, not a secret, but a mystery. That not all of us will die, but we will be all transformed. In other interpretations, you can look this up in the uh, King James, New King James Version. It says, not all of us will sleep. Not all of us will go to sleep. Not all of us will go to sleep. So when we're in Christ Jesus, we don't die. Am I right? We don't die. We just go to sleep. But we will all be changed. Even the dead in Christ will rise. They will be changed. Even the ones that are raptured or hapazod will be changed. See, when we go to sleep, see, this is what happened whenever this life ends, this short life that we have ends. It's kind of like our daughter or our, or our son falling asleep on the couch in the living room, right? They've been watching TV for four or five hours, whatever. It gets kind of late, and they kind of snooze off, and they just go to sleep on the couch. And then what do we do as parents? We just pick them up, and we take them. And put them in the bedroom. Jesus, all he's doing, he's just going to pick us up from where we are to where he wants us to be. That should bring you a lot of peace. If you're in Christ Jesus, he's such a loving daddy. You do, you've done it to your kids so many times. Man, they fall asleep right there, just played hard or whatever they've done all day long. You just pick them up to where they are and you take them to where they need to be or where he wants them to be. That's what he wants to do for us. That's what he calls us to do in that scripture. He said, but we will all be changed. And I love this right here, what was said over this house today when it come to worship. And my wife one of the first things she said to me this morning she says I want you to grab a hold of this I want you to come in here and listen to this and she had no idea what my message was I didn't tell her all week long but she gave me this scripture it says Ephesians 2 21 and 22 this entire building is under construction this entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it raises up completely completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This body is completely under construction until we are raised up, harpazoed, and we will all be changed. Beautiful. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holies of holies. Wow. Only the certain people could go into the holies of holies. You know who he's transforming us into today? When we're harpazoed up into the heavenlies? The holy of holies. The center of the tabernacle. Where only the cherubim and where only the tabernacle of God could be. We are the tabernacle of God when we're harpazoed up with him before the war begins. That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. Through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. 
The only way you can receive the Holy Spirit is to bring Christ into your life. You are dead. Holy Spirit does not live inside of you unless you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The only way that you can become the holies of holies is to have Holy Spirit reside in you. And He gives you that whenever you come to salvation. Because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. And in Revelation 7 it says, oh excuse me, let me go back one more. So, who will be raptured and what does he need to place on us before we go? And it says in Revelation 7, it says, And then I saw another angel descending from the east who had the seal of the living God. He shouted out with a loud voice to the four angels who has been given power to damage the earth and the sea And he says, do not damage the earth, the sea, or the trees until I have marked my loving servants of our God with a seal on their forehead. Here's what, this is why the church, we're walking around in fear and in religion because we're looking for the mark of the beast. Why are you looking for the mark of the beast? The seal on their foreheads. He's holding back everything. All judgment. The war. He's holding it all back. He's telling the angels, hold everything back. Until I can go around and put the mark of Christ on every one of the believers. Don't look for the mark of the beast. Be encouraged. That you have the mark of Christ. You have the mark of Christ. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You have the mark of Christ. And it says on their foreheads. Foreheads in the Bible represents mindset. So what is the mark of Christ? The mind of Christ. Woo! I have the mind of Christ in, in Christ Jesus. He did not build us with a spirit of fear. He did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. In some translations, the mind of Christ. Don't go around and say, well, the vaccination is the mark of the beast, and this is the mark of the beast, and here this comes, and here that comes. No, the mark of the beast is going to be given after we're harpazoed up. Just accept the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ, the renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind comes by the word of God. The mark, he's, he wants to say, no, no, I love them so much. I want them to have the mind of Christ. I can tell you this, I've been changed and I've been set free. And I'm a completely different man than I was 10 years ago. Guess what? I have the mind of Christ. Who has the mind of Christ? The ones that change. The ones that change. Did you, have you changed your mind in the last five years? Have you changed your mind in the last year? Have you allowed him to put the seal of God on you? The mark of Christ, not the mark of the beast. Because we have to set our eyes on something above and not beneath. But we got our eyes on something set beneath and not above. Our minds are wrong. Take on the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. I'm declaring that over every single person in here in this room today. If you have not come to Christ Jesus yet, 
you will have the mind of Christ before you leave here today. Every single person online, you will have the mind of Christ before you leave here today. Because he's holding back the judgment for you to make that decision. He's holding it back because every, every person will hear the gospel before he comes. Everybody will have a chance. Everybody will have a chance. So, again, the rapture, Jesus comes back to the church. And the second coming of Christ, Jesus comes back with the church. And it says this, and we'll read these real quick, and we're getting, to, getting close to wrapping up. Oops. And this is in Zechariah 14, 1 through 5. This is one of our scriptures today. I'm sorry I had to go all the way around to get back to this. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. And your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. Meg, Meg, Gog, war. He puts a hook in their mouth and he brings them to Jerusalem. That's, can you see that going on right now? You know the hook, one of the hooks? Natural gas. You know, Jerusalem and Israel has found more natural gas in the last three years. They have enough to supply themselves and everybody in the Middle East and everybody in the world. They can't even use all the natural gas that has been tapped into over the last three years. Guess what Russia's after? Natural gas. That's why they're coming on and prodding all these people to come in and shoot all these missiles at Israel. That's why they're doing it. Can't you see this? The day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. It is amazing. They, Mark Twain wrote in the 1800s, he talked about how Israel was desolate. <laughs> you couldn't get anything out of the ground. You couldn't get anything out of the ground. And they got more natural gas than they can use. Abundant, overflowing, right? Overflowing. They, and Russia can't stand it. None of those countries can stand it. That's the hook. He's bringing them. He's bringing them to Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the house raffled, and the women ravished. Is that today's world? Is the woman's identity being ravished today? Absolutely it is. This Equality Act that just, that's trying to be passed through the Senate right now, they didn't say anything about, men, uh, saying anything about women going into men's restrooms. They said everything about women or men having the ability to go into women's restrooms. See how it's not equality, it's inequality. I mean, it's happening right now. The women are being ravished. Everything in this world, the chaotic things he's mentioning right here in a prophetic message in the Old Testament. Everybody's like, well, that's just the Old Testament. The Old Testament is just, the New Testament is just the Old Testament revealed. That's all it is. Half the city shall be taken captive, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Here's where we are. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations. He will fight to the day of battle, and that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Acts 1 went up from the Mount of Olives. He will come right back down in the same spot. Come right back down in the same spot. And it will be split into two, from east to west. It will be split. There will be a big valley from the east to the west because 
the Mount of Olives is just east of the Temple Mount. It will be split. The, there will be a mountain up here to the north and a mountain over here to the south whenever he steps onto it. Then faces Jerusalem on the east and the Mount of Olives will be split into two and they'll be from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north and half the mountain shall move to the south. Verse 5. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley and the mountain valley shall reach to Ezreal. Then you shall flee and you flee from the earthquake uh, in the days of Yusri, the uh, king of Judah. Verse, And then it says, this is where the good part is. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with him. It will come with him. And it mentions in Revelation 19, we talked about the war and how it's here on earth in, in Revelation 19. It says in verse 14, Following him on white horses were the armies of God, wearing white fine linen, pure and bright. You better learn how to ride a white horse. Can anybody ride a horse in here? We better learn. If you don't learn now, when we're called up and we go sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb, those seven years, He can teach you. Okay? But everybody's going to have to learn how to ride a horse. Because guess who the armies of heaven are now? The church. We will come behind Him. We will war with Him. In the second coming of Christ. When he sets himself on the Mount of Olives. It's not coming to judge me. Because I've already been harpazoed up with him. With the marriage supper of the Lamb. For seven years. As the tribulation and the pressure is being put on this world. By just God. Therefore I'm in the heavenlies. So therefore we're going to have to do a dress rehearsal. At the end of this thing. When it gets close to the tribulation. Okay, everybody, put on their white stuff. Let's make sure we get everything lined up. Let's make sure everybody knows how to ride a horse because we're about to go down there because we're the armies of heaven and we're going to go right behind Christ Jesus to be able to go in and take care of this. That's where we win the war. That's where the war is won on this earth. So get yourself prepared today. Get yourself prepared today. So what can we do with this? What can we do with this message whenever it comes to the second coming of Christ? Number one, put on a new mind and new shoes. If you haven't put on that mind yet and you haven't come into agreement with the, what you are and what mind you have, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You do not have a spirit of fear. This world is walking around right now after COVID with a spirit of fear, including the church. Take off that mind. Put on the mind of Christ. Put on the mind of Christ. And I know I'm speaking to someone in here today whenever I say that because we're walking around in fear. What are you afraid of? Because the ultimate root of fear is death. You're not, it's not arachnophobia. You know what phobia means, right? 
the fear of. You know what arachnids are? Spiders. I mean, you're not afraid of spiders. You're afraid of what the spider's going to do to you. You're afraid of what the spider is going to cause upon you, which is death. Fear is rooted in death. Put on the mind of Christ. Because he is the truth, the way, and the life. He is our daily bread. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the morning star. He is the alpha and the omega. The beginning and the end. The author and the finisher of our faith. And so much more. I can't even put into words all that he is. You can't even explain him. Put on a new mind. Take a part of his mind. If you can't... If you're having a hard time seeing your circumstances through your mind, see it from a different vantage point. See it how he sees it. And it changes everything. Because the mountain view is much more beautiful when you're on top of the mountain than when you're on the bottom of the valley, correct? It looks completely different. Put on new shoes. You may be walking around thinking you're under judgment as a believer in Christ Jesus. I'm speaking to believers right now. You may be thinking that, well, I'm going to be going through this too, man. I'm just going to get ready. I'm going to stock up food and everything else because we're going to go through a famine and we're going to go through all of this kind of stuff. Put on new shoes. He has took judgment from you. Because we get doubt in our minds all the time. Do I really know Christ? Have I really accepted him? The enemy does that. The enemy plays with your mind of going, have you really come to Christ? I mean, shoot, you look at your life right now. I mean, you, you're a mess. I'm a mess. We're all a mess. But we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. I mean, take, take off judgment. He took that from you. Don't take them back from it. Try to take the shoes back and put it on yourself again. He took it from you. You know, you know in your heart if you've accepted Christ or not. You know it. Don't let the enemy steal that joy from you. Put on new shoes if you have to today. Because sometimes you just need better shoes. And then the next thing is, once you put on these new shoes and you've decided to come into agreement with the Prince of Peace... He gives you the peace that's beyond all understanding. It's what he does. I'm just preaching the word. He gives you peace that's beyond all understanding. Share what you're wearing. Go out into the marketplace and tell them what shoes you have on. If you're walking around in a bunch of chaos and just all over the place and that sort of thing, people don't see peace. What are you wearing? I mean, what's going on? People compliment people on shoes all the time. An example of this would be like Tom's shoes. I don't know if y'all know about the company Tom's. It was based on, it comes from short when it comes to tomorrow. I can't remember exactly the, their terminology of how they started uh, their company. But Tom's shoes, anytime you, bear, you buy a pair of Tom's shoes... They send a pair of those Tom shoes to a foreign country to be able to put 
onto someone that doesn't have shoes. And me being in the medical field and the biological, biological field, I understand one of the biggest ways that you can pick up infection is by not having shoes on. Because the bacteria and a bunch of things live in the soil. So many kids are walking around today in third world countries getting sick all the time simply because they don't have a pair of shoes. But that's why they did this. I think it started in 2004, 2006, somewhere along in there. But they share a, a shoe with a, someone in a foreign country. They have no idea who they are. They, just, they have these missionary outputs in which they do this to. So give people what you have. Go share the gospel of peace with people. No, 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 no. The judgment's falling on the world. But if you just accept Christ, you don't have to go through that judgment. He will take those shoes off of you and he will give you a sh the shoes of peace. That's the gospel. That's the great exchange. Go share it. Do you have it? Because if you have it, go share it. That's the application. Then the last one is look up and look forward. Because it says when it gets close to the end times, what does he tell us to do? Look up for your redemption draws nigh. Your redemption. Harpazo. Look up with hope. Don't look up with fear. Look up and look forward. Because your redemption draws nigh. Take comfort in knowing in coming that he's coming for us and we'll fight with him. Take comfort in that. The fight is not against us. The fight is against the world. The fight is against the world that has chose Barabbas instead of Jesus. And that includes the religion too. Because that's who chose Barabbas. The religious leaders. He's not calling us to religion. He's calling us to a relationship. Suit up. Get ready to ride a white horse. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because He's coming quickly. The war's moving closer to the earth. And it's upon us. You know it just as much as I know it. So don't deny yourself, especially kids. Y'all haven't heard this message. You don't understand. There's a lot of you guys that think, well, you know, He's not coming. My mom said He was coming. My grandmother said He was coming. All this stuff, He, he was coming. It's, it's coming quickly. He's coming quickly. Make sure you're ready. Be prepared. Make sure you're ready. And as we close this thing out, is take comfort. Take comfort that, that the great exchange has already happened. He just wants you to come forward and accept it. The gift has already been given. The presents are laying out here in front of the altar if you want to come get it. The shoes are laying up here for you if you want to come get them. That's him. 
He is the giver of the tree of life into the paradise of God. He wants to include you in that garden. He wants to include you that you can have that fruit from that tree. All you have to do is come accept it. I say so many times to my students and so many times to to people that I'm around all the time. There's only two things between you and Christ. Air and opportunity. Air and opportunity. And this this could be an opportunity for you today.